0: Michael Porter Jr. But I'm going to make sure that this pick is this
1: organization's best pick they've ever made. Forrest inside. And a four right with a Jokic. Put it out. Jokic. 23.
0: Hello and welcome back into a new edition of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, TJ McBride from MileHighSports.com, your home for all Colorado sports, and I know things are crazy in this world, but we got some stuff to talk about on this podcast today. Obviously, this is a Denver Nuggets podcast for the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and with no basketball going on, I figured it would be very fun to kind of reminisce and think back on some of the most memorable moments from this Denver Nuggets season so to do that I wanted to reach out to somebody else who covers the Nuggets someone else who has been involved in this completely chaotic NBA season that we have all dealt with so I called up Kendra Andrews of The Athletic who is awesome at what she does you should make sure you go read all of her work over the over at The Athletic but we kind of just reminisced on all these different things that took place throughout the season some incredible Nikola Jokic games Michael Porter Jr the way that the season ended and we kind of um We speculated a lot about what was coming for the NBA season. This was a very loose kind of just conversation, just basketball people talking about basketball. So I had a great time. Please go follow Kendra on Twitter. Read all of her stuff on The Athletic. Make sure you subscribe to the Rainbow Skyline podcast that her and Nick Kosmider do for The Athletic. But... For now, I'm just gonna let her talk and let us get into this conversation we had about the Denver Nuggets season. So we're gonna take a quick break, give you a quick word from our sponsor of this show, in Bet Online, who have been just massive supporters, especially through this chaotic se- sequence that has you know led with this coronavirus and the suspension of the league, and now there's no sports. And a big reason we've been able to continue doing what we do is Bet Online. So make sure you go check them out. Make sure you use Blue Wire as your promo code to get all all kinds of nice welcome bonuses and things like that but we're gonna take our quick first quick break we're gonna tell you about bet online and we will come back on the other end With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you would be entirely wrong. Our exclusive partners still have hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or you can just let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All of this is open 24 hours a day. All of it is online, including their $750,000 poker series that they do on their website. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather if you need to get your fix in. Visit the website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE though to get that welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering expert. All right, welcome back in. As you guys heard in the top of the segment, I got Kendra Andrews of The Athletic here on the line. We are both losing our minds together (laughs) simultaneously, but we are going to try and get into some memorable Nuggets moments from this season. Kendra, how are you? Are you surviving these moments of just
1: insanity? sure yeah why not right you know, sure
0: i love the whole like i have absolutely no way to answer this so i'm gonna hope the question goes away <laughs> that's so much better it's, so, it's, it's going <laughs> aren't you one of those weird people who do puzzles during quarantines
1: yes i am i working... have a problem
0: with these people i don't get it why don't you just print off a picture of the picture that you're trying to create what is what do puzzles do i, I, I don't it get it keeps okay first off Kill some time
1: because you will literally be sitting there for 25 minutes looking for one piece and all of a sudden 25 minutes of your day is gone. And you do that enough where then a couple hours have gone by and all of a sudden it was noon and now it's like four o'clock. <laughs> so that one thing keeps the brain stimulated. But the puzzle I'm working on right now is really hard because it's like this fall scene so it's like one color pretty much because all the leaves are yellow. So I did all of the brown from the, the tree trunks, and now it's just yellow. And I'm like, I don't know where I'm supposed to go from here. But I have to say, so my sister is also really into puzzles. And she was working on a puzzle, and she she said it was the hardest puzzle of her life. She finished it, but she, missed, she was missing one puzzle piece. So she ordered the puzzle over again. <laughs> are you kidding me? Just, and then she's like, and if then she's you're like, listening
0: to this, you crazy
1: person. And then you- I was like, well, how are you going to, are you going to do the whole thing over again? She's like, no, I'm going to go through and find the one piece.
0: Your sister has you lost her mind. I, I know. I, I stared at my wall for like 45 minutes the other day, and I started to hate the color so much that I thought about ordering a random paint color online <laughs> oh and just God. starting to paint just to see if it's better no, it's, than this awful gray that I've been staring at every day. Yeah,
1: it's it's, been, it's a lot. See, so that's let's... why I stare at puzzles instead of staring at the wall.
0: <laughs> hey, listen, there's a lot of other things to stare at, and I'm sorry. If I want to hate myself and be frustrated for multiple hours, <laughs> I'll get on Twitter. Because it's not that difficult nowadays to be that frustrated. It's so true. I'll leave it's... the puzzles to you, and okay. I will enjoy my whiskey instead, because that's what's gotten me through this. Okay. But. The other thing that has gotten me through this is just going back and watching some of the insanity that existed throughout this season, yes. and that's what we're going to do today. We're gonna, just going to get into a completely random list. I have no idea how many each of us chose. We're literally just going to just start spewing off memorable moments and talk about them for a while and kind of just try and relive the normal days. Normal people see the glory days, but I just kind of want to go back to when, like, basketball was able to be played. So. Right. Let's dive into it. I'm going to put the onus on you. What was the... Start from the lower end, not the creme de la creme of mo- of memorable moments, but what, what's on your list?
1: There's There's a couple, like, lower exciting moments, I guess, that you could call them, and I mean... I don't, I don't necessarily know if they're like lower, but they happened so early in the season that I think that we forget about them because so much has happened since then. And one of the ones that I remember was, it was back in November and the Nuggets had a 19 point comeback um, in the fourth quarter against Philadelphia. Of course, Nikola Jokic ended up making that game-winning shot, which I'm sure we will talk about (laughs) a little bit later. So I'm not going to dive too much into that. But like, I think that that was their biggest, like fourth quarter comeback and it was at Pepsi Center and I'm always like, you know, a fan of when people start to get into it and the you know, arenas are rocking and stuff like that.
0: Nuggets in particular, like, there's always those moments where the flip gets switched for the fans. You can feel it in that arena.
1: Totally. So that, I think, was one of, like, definitely my early high moments and high memories of this season was was that. and uh, Jokic scored 16 of his 26 points that night during the fourth quarter. I mean, Jamal Murray had one of his most all-around games. That game, he had 22 points, 11 assists, and 6 rebounds. Paul Millsap and Will Barton knocked down some huge three-pointers. Joel Embiid fouled out. So it was just this like huge momentum swing, and I'm a sucker for a good late-game momentum swing.
0: And to do it over Joel Embiid, to have that game winner over him was so oh, was savage. such a big deal too because that was still at the time when Joel Embiid had not started his regression that he had during this season. Right. So the conversation was still, who's first team All-NBA center? Is it going to be Joel? Is it going to be Nicola? So Nicola decided to hit a game winner over him on his own court and then just absolutely end that conversation because I don't remember it from that point going yeah. forward.
1: And not even just the game winner, but like it was a step back three point game winner. Like for, for a seven foot center, like you expect that from Steph Curry, you expect that from Damian Lillard, you know, you expect that from Russell Westbrook, you expect that from guards, maybe like a smaller four or something or something like that, three or four, but like, you don't expect that from your your center to be able to just do a step back three pointer at the buzzer <laughs> to win the game. It's
0: like, especially of that like variety. He literally right. just said, fuck it. Tossed it up in the air. Yeah. And, when Nikola Jokic does that, it's a little bit less fuck it than most regular people, but it just looked like there was no chance. It looked like such a wild shot. It was off a broken play that should have never ended up in that way in the first place. Just the absurdity of that moment was so glorious. But the best part of it was that it led right into the next game when the Nuggets took on the Minnesota Timberwolves and Nikola Jokic hit his second straight game winner directly after. It was like 36 hours later. And it was literally the same shot. He did it against Carl Anthony Towns, the other center that everybody kept talking about, as the one right there with Nikola Jokic. He yeah. just ended the center conversation in three days.
1: Yeah, no, like, that was ridiculous.
0: And my favorite part of the one against Carl Anthony Towns was that he did it in the exact same spot, mm-hmm. that he did didn't get his shot off against Taj Gibson in the game 82 to play in for the playoffs, you know, two years ago when they lost by that one game. So to see him do it and kind of like exercise those demons per se and to do it in back to back game winner fashion, which has only been done like six times in the past 20 years. Like that was such a cool stretch.
1: And the thing is, and I think that was kind of could have been, I mean, I know Nicole probably wasn't even thinking about like that, but I'll say like this, it's a, it's a way for him to kind of be like an F U to people who say like oh, I feel like a conversation around the Nuggets sometimes is people asking, Well who's their finisher? Who they don't have a person who when you're in that type of situation they have that go to guy. That's the guy that you want to have the ball in his hands when it's a tie game with two seconds left. And I feel like that was kind of a statement of his him being like, Well, it's me. Like just Shut up. They have someone and it's me. No, I'm like I said before. No, I'm not a stereotypical small shooter. I wouldn't like Nicole's not the guy you expect to want to have the ball in his hands at the last second. But for this team, he is. And I think that those two game winners were like the prime example of that
0: but it's so interesting because I wrote about this back in mid-November talking about this exact circumstance so if so, I know this year was chaotic the league got suspended yada 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 let's throw that out and go back to last season for a second <laughs> yeah. last season Jokic logged 138 minutes in clutch situations and he led the Nuggets to the best record in clutch games over those 43 games decided by 5 points or less the Nuggets were 31 and 12 in those games Jokic played 138 total minutes had 113.8 offensive <laughs> (laughs) Rating and a 90.3 Defensive rating for a plus 23.5 net rating On top of that, he had the highest field goal Percentage in the league, almost the most points And the most buckets scored in the Last 10 seconds or less with the game Decided by 3 points or less. He has objectively been the most <laughs> clutch player in basketball for 18 months and yeah. no one wants to talk about it so i had to just like get my
1: I gonna say, how much time poetic. do you have on your
0: hands to look i it wrote away. about it so i just got to steal from my own written content there that i had from before and just read it off the page but he is and people don't realize it and like this idea that, that the nuggets don't have a go-to score right. that's something that i want to get to in a second because i want to talk about his game against the atlanta hawks people always have this idea that because Nikola Jokic is altruistic and pass-happy, that he can't just put his head down and go get buckets. But again, if you just like watch Nuggets games for more than 20 minutes, you see how all of these things absolutely play out. And they've been this way. Before talking about that Atlanta Hawks game, go back to his sophomore season, in my Mm -hmm. opinion. That sophomore season, Nikola Jokic played the Spurs. They were down by 21. And Jokic scored 16 straight by himself in the fourth (laughs) quarter to make it a four-point game. They ended up losing but people don't just score 15 Mm -hmm. 14 straight on the road against the Spurs team like that it just doesn't happen and we also saw that against the Atlanta Hawks when Nikola Jokic had 47 points against them and I wanted to bring this one up because again for this exact topic people don't think he can be that guy Mm -hmm. but when Nikola Jokic puts up 47 like that on 23 shots 23 like I don't yeah, I don't know how to be able to quantify how people think that way.
1: No, I don't, and I don't either. I think I think a lot of it is just I, with they don't look probably super deep into the physical numbers like you kind of just laid out there, and then you you compare center to center, and you compare the lethal centers in the league and their build and what they how they play and all that stuff, and it's like, well, Nicole Jokic doesn't fit that like realm. And then, but then you look at the numbers, like you were just saying, it's like, okay, like you have to admit. At what this point guy yeah. is like, you know?
0: Well, like, whenever you hear 47 points, eight rebounds, five assists, one block, zero turnovers in a game, yeah. he was 16 of 25, four of eight from three, and 11 of 16 from the foul line. Yeah. Those are MVP numbers. Those are like when James Harden does that, like all of a sudden Bleacher reported 17 infographics up about like (laughs) how incredible it is and how many dribbles he took in the time of possession. But like it's just people don't realize that Nikola Jokic has been able to do this whenever he wants to. He just isn't. It's not him. He would rather get his guy set up. He You know, an assist makes two people happy. A bucket (laughs) makes one, as he said years ago. But he has this within him. And the idea that he can't be that guy, especially after he did it in the playoffs, like we already saw this last year it's so it's just it's it's insane to me so yeah again there's my rant about Nikola Jokic (laughs) being a primary scoring option what else you got on your list by the way
1: um let's see another one on my list okay there was a span and i'm sure we're going to talk to about another one of these things so i'm not going to touch it we'll let's just continue the nicola but, okay Jokic fan no, but,
0: right now. no
1: but so there was a time in like late january early february and by late january i mean like the last three days of january the first like four days of february something crazy like that where it felt like every game michael malone would say that was the best game of the year like that was the win of the season. It started with a game against Utah at home, uh, like January 29th or something. What like is that, time? I don't even like know. That. Yeah. Um, and he was like, "That's the best win that we've ever like win of the season." And then, like literally twenty four less than twenty four hours later, he reversed that with which what I'm talking about is their win in Milwaukee. Second night of a back to back. Gets to Milwaukee. Gets to their hotel at four a.m. And you think about there's also a time change between Denver and Milwaukee, so you lose what is Milwaukee on East it's Coast? It's one hour. It's no, one they're hour. central. So I lose, thought. Yeah. So you lose one hour. Get there four a.m.
0: And Players it was after said, a national TV game, wasn't it? Was after so a national they lost TV. an hour.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it was a late tip off. The tip off yeah. against Utah was at eight thirty. They get to Milwaukee at 4 a.m. Players told me that they didn't go to bed till 6 a.m. Literally before the game, I'm sitting courtside watching warm-ups. Will Barton comes and sits next to me. He goes, I'm so effing tired right now. Like, oh my yeah. gosh. She's like, don't worry. Don't worry. Like, we're going to get it. I got it. Don't, don't worry. I'm like, okay. Like, cool.
0: Do your thing. <laughs> Will and his just like, here's some background. I'm leaving now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and like, they, like, who like, who would have thought they were going to win that game? Like, probably not. Like, that was, was a pretty great game.
0: <laughs> well, after the Utah game, I was talking with Tori at his locker. And I think I was talking about, like, Gary Harris's resurgence or something like nothing to do with that game. Yeah. And Tori goes, like, listen, man, I know it's a back-to-back, but we're going to win that one in Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, what? Like, I couldn't believe. Every player who played scored in double digits. I think <laughs> nine players played or something like that. And each one of them scored double digits. Like are you kidding me like that? Was a great game considering just like how tired everyone was and all that stuff and that was that was a good moment for me.
0: That was a crazy moment for sure because that Milwaukee game, that was before like Giannis had gotten hurt and like Chris Middleton was suddenly banged up a little bit. And like you started to see some cracks in the armor like we saw those last couple weeks. This was when they were just like rolling through everybody. Right. Like it didn't matter if it was Jesus playing center for the other team. They were just annihilated. <laughs> and because of that, when the Nuggets walked in there, there was there was no hope.
1: So Michael Malone was already planning on – resting people because if he thought that this was a game that they was already going to lose and they had been playing their, their schedule during that time was just like,
0: and they had the injury. So like Will Barton right. was playing like 36 minutes a night through this stretch.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it was great. It was so funny because <laughs> I think two nights later they played in Detroit and I was also in Detroit and it was me and Mike Singer who covers the nuggets for the Denver post. And we were in the locker room and we were talking to Will and We said, Will, or Singer said, Will, you know, because they lost the game against the Pistons. He said, you know, you guys have been talking about how it doesn't have to do with fatigue and and tired or anything, but were you guys tired (laughs) and Will – I was trying not to laugh because he just went off. He's like, If anyone tells you we're tired, bro, it has nothing to do with being tired. It has to do with us not playing any goddamn defense. And I'm like, I love Will. I was like, That. So I think for maybe off court moments, that was definitely like my top off court moment of the season was that little will barton rant which was hilarious
0: will barton's rants are so legendary i'll never forget waiting for him i was the last one in the locker room it was like towards the end of the season i can't even remember what the game was but like i wasn't even prepared to start interviewing yet i was like kicking it <laughs> let him finish up and he turned me goes tj i was bullshitting tonight and i was like <laughs> well what i was bull- you write that shit down i was bullshitting tonight yeah. and i was just like It's just legendary moments. But also, I almost put that Detroit game down because it was so memorable because Nikola Jokic might have had his best all-around game ever Mm -hmm. in that game. He had 39 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists, 3 steals, and 2 blocks in that game on 16 of 23 shooting. Like he was elite and could do whatever he wanted. That that game just kind of disappearing into the, just a loss against a bad Eastern Conference team. It's so sad. And that's why, I so it. And that's why yeah. it,
1: it. And and again, where we were talking about circumstances before at the Milwaukee game. But again, that was their third game, and you know, seventy something hours. And considering, I think it went into overtime. It did go into overtime because didn't want it to go into overtime, but it did, <laughs> and it was another crazy.
0: Not a crazy game for them. Uh, let's get off of Nikola Jokic for a moment because okay. we've we've hammered Nikola okay. Jokic moment. <laughs> the game that you are likely going to talk about for Michael Porter Jr. But I want to go a different direction for go a for moment. So Do yes, the, he had a career high twenty five at one point in one of his games. I get it, but he had a game against Golden State towards the end of the year that you were at he had 18 points 10 rebounds five assists two steals and a block against golden state off the bench on the road without three starters including the and one that gave them the lead in the very very i think it was the last minute of the fourth quarter that was the moment that was the second where i was like this fits yeah. Like Michael <laughs> Jr. does everything that we had wanted him to do. Of course, the injuries and the sustainability and the decision making and there's a lot of other variables, but right. in terms of just raw skill and how it fits. Like you see him getting into passing lanes. You see him hitting trail threes as a, you know, pull-up transition shooter. You see him hitting so many buckets off of feeds from Jokic, off of curls, off of screening actions, off of just pure one-on-one cuts and like when you see all of those things and then he caps it off by just gritting out an offensive rebound for a putback layup that he also gets fouled on to give them the lead. It's just – it yeah. was jarring to no, see was, just how good he was. That
1: was probably his best game of the season,
0: hands down. And the 25-point game, which I'm sure – I'm pretty sure you had it in your article. I had me it in my after, list. After.
1: Yeah, let's see.
0: Which it was incredible because I think he missed like one shot the whole night. He was just on fire. But I felt like in that game against Golden State, He did so many other things. Mm -hmm. He showed his repertoire of skills. It wasn't just, oh, wow, Michael Porter Jr., one of the most gifted shot makers on earth, happened to make a bunch of shots. Like, that's going to happen. But to see him on the boards, uh, be able to get on the ground and gritty defensively to get into passing lanes and dive for deflections, and those are the moments that you're like, okay, there's really something here with this kid.
1: Yeah. No, I agree.
0: So, tell me about this 25-point game.
1: This 25-point game? Well, you kind of put it I think one of the things that I kind of liked about that game was, you know, you're just talking about his natural scoring ability. And something that stood out to me is that you're correct. He went 11 for 12 on field goals. And it really showed his ability, his perimeter, his his shooting, Mm -hmm. and just how pure his shooting form is. Like, oh my gosh, it is beautiful. But also his ability to get to the rim, play in the paint, bang around a little bit. Cause like, he's not like his, his upper body's big, but his lower body is quite small. So it's kind of yeah. cool to see him like get in there and the paint and stuff like that. And also I think, let's see what the date was. It was January 2nd. And so I think that was the, so that was before the Golden State game. Cause I think the Golden State game happened more mid, like mid January, I believe. And so I think that was the, the, the 25 point game was the first time, at least I think I really saw him stand out and come out of his own. And for the first time for that to happen, be a night where he only missed one field goal and scores a career high, was pretty... Like, that's what people wanted to see from him. Obviously, there's been this huge, like, push and pull of Michael Porter Jr. and him not playing and then him playing and people wanting him to play and getting a standing ovation literally every time he steps (laughs) on the court. And he had just been... He hadn't found that rhythm and he hadn't really... Do it out, in my opinion. And I think when he finally did, and it was on a career night, I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then a couple weeks later, when he follows that up by that Golden State game that you're talking about, where he's not just scoring. He says, yes, I can score. But look at all these other things I can do. What you were talking about, fit. It's like, okay, yeah. This kid has potential to be the real deal. He can obviously score so naturally. And he has an ability now to do the intangibles and and just be be present even if he's not necessarily scoring off the charts
0: i will never forget because like so to kind of give context to where we all sit so kendra is in one corner and then (laughs) me i'm in another corner but we're all surrounded by media you sit with like brendan vote sometimes jenna garcia of denver stiffs Mm -hmm. a couple other scouts and a bunch of altitude people and then over on my corner i have matt Moore of the action network adam Matez of dnvr harrison wind of dnvr and brendan vote of dnvr and i will never forget sitting at that table and just laughing hysterically as he just cannot miss yeah. anything. like it was almost comical we were all just in disbelief and when there's like like between Matt Adam Harrison me and Bridget <laughs> there's like what 40 50 years of watching basketball all in one table and we were all just stunned yeah. Like absolutely blown away by what we were watching happen in front of us, and there's just so few players as rookies in this kind of a system who can do exactly that. Like okay. it's just such a small number, but it was almost a joke to watch that happen in real time. Yeah, was that crazy. was it the same for you guys? Was, was, was Jenna well, just like so, laughing? At it's awful? so
1: funny because you say you said that you guys have how many years did you guys say of like watching, fifty years?
0: Okay. Between, oh, to be fair, Adam and Matt <laughs>
1: make up forty of it, but you know we're so, we like the exact we're like kind of the opposite because on my side i'm 22 i yeah. think ryan blackbird of denver says he's it's 21 20, 22. 22 23 something jenna is like 26 20 i don't like all of yes. us are in our 20s and so we have like completely different perspective of basketball yeah. than you guys do because we just haven't been on this earth as long watching his basketball as long But I think that also gave us like a crazy perspective because we, at least I, was raised on like shooters, like people who just like shoot. It's and as I am here yeah. in my wearing a strength and strength the numbers from the 2015 uh, Western Conference semifinals from the Warriors. I obviously grew up watching oh, like the series after they beat Denver. <laughs> oh, I was, at, of- I was at that game. I I was at that game six when the Warriors oh, beat the God. Nuggets
0: to go to the Western Conference Finals.
1: But anyway, if I was Gowell raised. Didn't
0: his me, man. I will always wonder. <laughs> Continue, sorry.
1: <laughs> I was raised even before Steph Curry. I was raised on Monte Ellis, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, just watching these shooters shoot. And so it's so interesting to me to see a kid go off like Michael Porter does. Cause it 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 still is just like crazy to me to watch guys go off like like they do, especially when it's like, I'm not gonna say it's out of the blue. But like as I said before, when he's just kind of been chipping in here and there, goes for like 10 points, goes for five points, you know, on the boards. And then just like, poof, yeah. like 25 points. You're just like, well, yeah. But 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 Jenna, she was on the hate train for a little bit. Oh, for a, a, a little Porter bit. Jr. And I think that this game was her
0: turning <laughs> point. was the conductor of hate
1: train. Are you kidding me? I think this game put her onto the non-hate train. I'm not going to say she's on like the fangirl train, but she's like...
0: She's just hanging out now. <laughs> she's she's, just, she's on the fence. My least favorite place to be. She's <laughs> on the fence. I gotta say that while we're on this topic, I miss everybody at Nuggets Media so Me much. Like I used to, like kind of when you're covering an NBA season, it kind of becomes a family. Like we're together like five days was... a
1: week. I was FaceTiming some friends last night and they were saying, they were like, Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I like the people I work with to, to work with, but I wouldn't want to hang out with them outside. I'm like, Yeah, that's not how it works at my job. <laughs>
0: oh, you no, know, we got drunk together on FaceTime like a week ago because yeah. we were just like, I miss you guys. We just like got all back together. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yes, it's kind of, I do like that. It's one thing that I feel like is rare in sports media that we can all be opposing journalists technically, but also be able to be unique enough to get our own stories while also being friends. Like, it's just rare that we get that experience. I hope that every listener gets to realize that Kendra Andrews has cracked her neck so loud that the <laughs> microphone picked it up. That actually happened on a podcast. This is a real first. That was amazing. And, like, it's one of those, like, have you seen Anchorman where he's like, I'm not even upset. That was amazing. Like, that was that moment I'm in sorry. real life. <laughs> so, now that I threw you under the bus, oh, what's man. your next thing on your list? Oh, <laughs> gosh.
1: Okay, well, we're creeping up the list of getting know. to, got, like, I got five points. points
0: i got two left
1: i do too so Can't, i think
0: we okay. have one of the same i so think i think not the one that we know we both have as okay same.
1: when jamal murray ended a man's life
0: oh i didn't put this on my list i forgot when jamal murray it,
1: murdered dj wilson of the bucks in his march 9th slam dunk that did not count which is absolutely ridiculous and like I it like like TJ and I were on Skype right now, so he could see me. I wish you guys could all see my face. (laughs) When when we saw this, all of us just like held each other. It was like me, Jenna, and and Ryan again, and all of us just like grasped each other.
0: Media is not supposed to react. We're unbiased people, but like we're also basketball fans. It wasn't like Nuggets cheering. It was just like so fucking ridiculous that Like, like we all. Who knew that Jamal Murray could jump so high
1: and dunk so like. I was, um, I was talking to, I talked to PJ Dozier after the game because PJ Dozier is one of those guys on the bench who, he's very expressive and he dances and he celebrates. He's like the bench mob captain of the Nuggets. And I was like, do you, what did you do during that? He's like, he's like, I blacked out. I don't remember. I just, (laughs) I, I I don't know. I could not tell you.
0: the best part of that dunk was first of all the immediate reaction to it happening because everyone yes. just assumed that a dunk of that magnitude is going to count yes. so everybody was like kind of on cloud 9 for like 6 seconds yeah. <laughs> and then everyone abruptly realized that it had been waved off why was it waved off why aren't they challenging what is going on and the crowd is just like unbelievably restless throughout the yeah. entire moment it was such a surreal environment because we so also crazy. it was also wasn't that I'm trying to remember was, was that the go ahead
1: oh no so go ahead sorry
0: so was that the game where we started to wonder if games were going to start getting so canceled that
1: was the game i so it was march 9th the nba suspended yes. the oh, lead that, on the it. yes it was so that was the game um prior to that game it was announced that not that night like that day it was announced so it wasn't going to go into effect that night but the next day that media was not going to be allowed in the locker rooms and that you know, it'd be And held. fans had not been
0: addressed yet. And it fans was had only not been addressed.
1: Media. Right, it was only media. But there was talk of okay, well, obviously this is the just the first step. The next step will be removing fans from the arena. To to keep the spread of this the virus. You know, I
0: can't handled. believe that was the same day. That feels oh, like crazy. such separate events. And also, like I will never forget that day because, and again, like. regardless of the timing and who made the decisions on who they were going to remove first, removing the media first made us immediately pariahs. And I will never forget the interactions with people and players from the Nuggets organization because when you tell an entire team, be careful of the media, they might get you coronavirus, the feeling and like the separation and the extremism of what was felt that day was so surreal. And the fact that that dunk existed in the exact same time, it, it's so hard to like grasp all of that that had happened. But that dunk might go down as one of the most filthy poster dunks to never count.
1: I I think I think that's exactly it. Like I think that is that is, and and I think Michael Malone literally said something exactly like that after the game because if you remember that game, the Nuggets really, I mean, they weren't playing badly, but they just weren't, they needed some momentum. And that was the momentum shift because after, especially after that didn't count, I think Jamal was like, well, stick, F that. Like, I'm taking this over. I'm doing it because he, like, knocked down another shot and then another shot, then someone else did, and then they ended up winning. And Malone said, he goes, that was the biggest momentum shift that didn't count. Or, like, that was the biggest play that didn't count that shifted the momentum or something like that. Like, that changed the game. And it didn't even count. Like, that's pretty crazy.
0: (laughs) What is that? It's just, I completely forgot this existed. This is how insane this season has been.
1: Oh my gosh. Don't even get me started.
0: Well, all, no, we about were just like FaceTiming, drinking as like friends over here, but like this idea that this season started eight months ago by a summer league game getting canceled in Vegas because an earthquake hit in L.A. that was so strong that the jumbotrons were swaying above the courts and yeah. they had to cancel games. That's how this started. Yeah. Then David Died. Then Kobe and his daughter and six others and that just horrific event passed away with the helicopter accident. Then and we have
1: don't even for, don't forget about the, the debacle in China with um
0: with Daryl Yeah. With um, Darryl Worry Darryl, and, then yeah. and then we had the corona like oh like we have so I, I wanna ask you this. This is completely separate, but in terms of memorable moments, let's remove the nuggets from this. This is your first year oh covering <laughs> This is your very, very first year. What yeah. the hell is going through your mind? You oh like my gosh,
1: um, it's so funny because I was talking to my editor the other day, and he's just like, "How are you?" And I'm like, "Good." He goes, "You know, I keep thinking about just how hard this is probably for you." I'm like, "Yeah, it's like, it's it's been it's it's been interesting to say the least. It's definitely, I mean, when I took this job, I wasn't expecting like, oh my gosh, all of this <laughs> to." Um, be how it it went obviously i think i mean it makes me feel like i am prepared for anything at this point i'm like yeah like i could i i could cover any game now i covered the game the day like minutes after we found that kobe and his daughter died that was
0: so surreal. (laughs) I,
1: i wrote i covered sports when there are no sports like i think i can I'll tell you this, it's a true test to like, and and not even just for me, I was talking to my mom, my mom's a teacher. And so classes have been moved to zoom. And, you know, she's getting adjusted. And she's, she's just saying how much she misses her students. She's like, I never thought I'd say that I missed my students, because she works with little kids. So you know, yeah, that's a lot. And I was like, but you know what, like, if you're working from home right now, and you're not doing your normal job, and, and you're not saying that you miss it, then you probably know that that's not (laughs) your truth. Like you don't like your job very much, but if you're sitting here and we're just like, I miss my students. I miss going to games. I miss like everything about it. At least you know that like, okay, this is what I want to be doing.
0: Well, yeah, like Brendan made a great point because during a season it can get exhausting for everybody, especially if you're traveling and things like that. Like this is a very stressful job in that regard. And, A lot of the small parts that we love get kind of hidden behind the stress of it. And now that we're kind of removed from it again, like, I miss every tiny detail, man. Like, I miss having my feet on the actual hardwood. I miss, like, Malone joking with us and Tim Connolly high-fiving players as they come through and making sarcastic jokes. I miss all the kids in the hallway cheering as Nikola Jokic comes through and get an MVP chance because he always picks them up in the air and throws them around. Like, those are the cool moments that... You take for granted during the season. And I miss those moments for sure. Me too. We each got one thing left on our list. And this thing. is going way longer than we should have, by the way. I really don't care. Yeah, we still have to answer to questions from listeners, it's, and I have nothing to do either. We're <laughs> on
1: stay at home. This is like <laughs> what we should be doing. <laughs>
0: yes, yes, 100%. But let's talk about the seven.
1: Magnificent seven.
0: The magnificent Man. seven. So, you know Set, the, set the table. Go ahead, and do I was going to say,
1: you know how I, I mentioned before how Michael Malone late January, said, oh, the win against Utah at Pepsi Center was the game of the year. Okay. Corrected that 24 hours later. No, the game of the the year was the win in Milwaukee. Like, a week later, and this one still stands today, was their win in Utah January 30th. No, scratch that. February 5th. February 5th, 5th, January 30th was. Sorry, January 30th (laughs) was the first game against Utah. I have so many dates in my head from trying to find (laughs) <laughs> February 5th was um, their game against Utah. Only seven players because everyone was injured and the trade deadline just happened. So you lose Juancho Heron and Gomez and Malik Beasley to the trade deadline. Hey, everyone no else... Jared
0: Vanderbilt slander oh, sorry. Here. And Jared Vanderbilt. I'm this. sorry, Vando.
1: My <laughs> apologies. Um, and like everyone else is injured. And so you literally have Nicole Jokic, Torrey Craig, Gary Harris, Malik Beasley, Jamal Murray, PJ Dozier, and Vladko Chanchar. Oh,
0: <laughs> my guy. Vlaco the one thing, the most like random anecdote from that game that I will remember is Vlaco Chanchar getting two minutes of backup center minutes. Because yeah. they just didn't have another big. So six foot seven, Vlatko went down there and started playing some center. It was insane. <laughs>
1: like that was
0: Oh My, gosh. <laughs> like, oh and my, my gosh. favorite part of this game, too, is the part that everybody forgets somehow. I don't know how this is even possible. The reason I have this on my list is because Nikola Jokic had a 30-21-10 in that game. And hit another game winner. That was my favorite game winner. It wasn't want, it the was... most important. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like the most dramatic. Oh. He took that one dribble. One dribble. Do you remember? One leg fadeaway. Just like... That dribble was not necessary. No. It was not. It, it was a fuck you. I'm pulling up and just absolutely oh eviscerated gosh. Rudy Gobert again. Talking about how he just ended all competition for first team All NBA center around him. He hit game winners in two week, two weeks, a week, ten days, somewhere in there against Embiid, Towns, and over Gobert.
1: Yeah. No. That was that was just absolutely like. It's, I can I don't I'm even trying. I don't even know what to say because it was just like that was the most improbable that was I forget exactly what the what the date was but that was the game with the least amount of players since Portland once played with I believe it was like six players yeah so
0: that was like the last game of the season last year when Anthony Simons played 48 and minutes they played and with had 38 six players running. and so yeah.
1: since then this was the game with the least amount of players played and man that is just like and I, I think it's one thing I mean I don't really you know usually they have like nine ten man rotations or whatever it is so I think it's one thing when you play with okay I'm choosing my rotation and these are the nine or ten players I'm going to play it is a completely different thing when it's like I only have seven players two players are spend a lot of time in the G League like huge props to PJ Dozier and Vlatko Chanchar because like
0: they, they played a combined that many, 40 minutes in this game. Yeah,
1: and they don't play very much. Like so, I mean, just in and, and I mean, people were kind of using this as a job, but I think also it just really shows the impressiveness is that this was kind of in that beginning stretch, middle stretch of Gary Harris kind of struggling on the offensive end. So people were saying, Okay, well he didn't even do that much.
0: No, he did nothing. Gary During Harris was O of thirteen in this game and O so, of six from three.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, cra- it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't even know what to say. Like, that's good. It's crazy.
0: I don't know how to, like, quantify how absurd this game was. Like, a 30 Like, I don't think people realize that there's been, like, five of those in the past decade. Yeah. Like, they don't exist. Like, David Lee, DeMarcus Cousins, and Nikola Jokic are the only three that have them in the past, like, seven years. Like, it doesn't exist. Yeah.
1: And to make this even a bigger, like, statement, especially against the Jazz, who I feel like the teams are kind of compared a lot because, like, between Gobert and Jokic, they're they're in the same division, like, they're both in altitude, they're close by. And it this, helps that Tim
0: Connolly drafted half of the Jazz exactly. roster. Exactly.
1: This was Denver's first win in Utah since December 2014. Yep. Like, yep. And then it was
0: seven people, and we got to give you Jamal Murray some credit. Oh, totally, totally. Because Jamal Murray was twelve of twenty-six. He take a lot of shots and was not crazy efficient, but he was four of nine from three and had thirty-one points all, and, and did so with four assists against three turnovers. And again, he had the ball in his hands like the entire freaking game. So, that, yeah. that was, what an impressive game. What it reminded game. me of when the Nuggets beat the Warriors when the Warriors were still dominant, when mm-hmm. Nicole you Kitchen know, and, like, seven people ended up beating them, and Wancho had, like, 27 and 12. <laughs> I remember yeah. that game so vividly. Yeah. Um, Man, do you have anything else to say about that insane game? No.
1: It, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, maybe I'm going to watch it. today. Maybe that's what <laughs> I'll do today. <laughs> like.
0: My favorite part of that game is that Nicole Jokic's 30-21-10 in that game, according to basketball reference, was only his third best game of the season. That's crazy. That's just like, it's an absolute joke to me that that even exists. That's crazy. All right. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back on the other end and answer some questions from all of you listeners who are also losing your minds at home. So give us a quick break. We'll be right back on the other end. Before we go any further, I need to give you a quick word from Terrapin Care Station because throughout these chaotic times, they have stayed around to be able to help anybody in need or who needs medical marijuana or recreational marijuana to get through these insane times. Go to terrapincarestation.com, look at all the different products they have. Pick up from them if that works better for your situation they have done nothing but great things and they are doing whatever they can to bring the essential medication that so many people need so go to terrapincarestation.com look at all the edibles and flower and everything that they do to be able to help people throughout these chaotic times they have been one of the longest standing supporters of this podcast and they're a big reason that we're still functioning today so make sure that you go to terrapincarestation.com check out everything they have and use their products to be able to help yourself throughout these crazy 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 times so thank you to terrapin care station for supporting this podcast and please go support them for supporting us Welcome back in. Back in. This is going to be my favorite segment. I love doing these segments because I'm not very smart. So when other (laughs) fans ask questions, I get to, like, realize that I have missed a bunch of shit that I should have been talking about. So thanks to everybody who always sends questions in. You make the show a hell of a lot easier for me. And let's just get at it. Uh, Will Barton. Okay. I love this name, by the way, on Twitter. Will Barton Union Leader asks, (laughs) would the Nuggets be better next season with Jeremy Grant or a healthy Paul Millsap as their starter on day one? It's a good question. Go ahead.
1: I think I mean I think this is like a really I think this is a question that people even talked about like this year, especially when Jeremy Grant started to find his 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 groove with this team and just really proved how crazy good he really is. I I think and obviously Jeremy Grant has uh he's a player option waiting for him that he can pick up. I personally I'm not I'm no GM, but I think they need to offer him
0: Listen, way there's no more fucking than, chance that Jeremy Grant's picking up that player like, They
1: need to offer him way more than their... They're, I think the player option's, what, nine or something? I think like it's
0: it? 9.8. Okay, they remember? need to give him, like, in the... T- well, teams. let's ask. What do, you think? what do you think he is going to demand? I... Well, i In about relation
1: this. to, like, the, the, this, the question that he was asked, I think Jeremy Grant is going to want to start. And I... I don't think that the Nuggets have as good of a chance of getting him of retaining him and bringing him back if he does not start. And I think yep. that that is a like a really important starting point like for the Nuggets when figuring out what they're going to do. And I don't think that that's a bad choice to have him start. Like he is so good. And that's not to say that Paul Millsap wasn't a beast this year because he was really insanely good for this team this year. But I just think that Jeremy Grant, like, he has proved how much he means to this team. And when Paul Millsap was injured and Jeremy Grant went into that starting role and you could see what he did with that starting unit, I like I think that's when he, like, flourished and really yep. just dominated. Um, as far as money goes, I mean, I think it needs to— I've, I've talked to a couple scouts and— they tell me that like people, he, people are paying attention to him. Yes, he's not an under the radar guy. Like when the Nuggets uh, signed or traded for him in the off season, it was kind of one of the more underrated trades yeah. of the off season. Just because there was so much happening with Kawhi and Paul George, obviously. Yeah, well, they, like, they
0: traded for him the morning after it, like six right. a.m. So no
1: one really like knew. And now it's like, well, that's he's no longer underrated. He is. Or oh yeah, underrated. Yeah, he's like underrated. You're right. Cr- you know, crazy good. I think that they need to offer him something, you know, in the p- mid high teens. Honestly, yeah. like I th- I'm thinking like sixteen, seventeen. Like I was
0: thinking. I have him penciled in at seventeen five right, right. now.
1: Like here. that's what they. I in- yeah, it needs to be seventeen a and a starting in a starting role. Yeah. And, so
0: I'm looking at like four years, seventy million for mm-hmm. him. That's about what I'm, or like three years, 60, if they want to give less years, more money. Right. That's kind of where I'm at. And if they, if they give him that money, I think they have to start him.
1: I, they have to, they have to.
0: Yes. And this is the most interesting part of this. And we're, and there's a question about free agency coming up here in a little bit, but what does this mean for Paul Millsap?
1: So that's the other half of the question, obviously, mm-hmm. in that, and it's, it's, it's it's true. I mean, okay. How much is Paul? He got- picked up the 30. 30- was it 30 million? 30
0: million for I mean, this year, for but this he's an year. unrestricted free agent after this year.
1: Well, I think first off, like you have to look at the market and just be like, for him, because he obviously can pretty much go wherever he wants to go, is like he, even if he went to the bench if Jeremy Grant started and he went to the bench, he would have a defined role cut yes. out for him on the Nuggets. No, it wouldn't be a starter, but it would be that backup power forward position. And
0: probably some center, to and be real, because Mason Plumlee yeah. is an unrestricted free agent as yeah. well.
1: And again, they prove that they can play a small ball lineup, when Mason Plumlee was injured this season. And they, like, and
0: they were and better. They were
1: that great. bench it was
0: way they better. And that's not when, a Mason Plumlee issue. No, that's just no, that's just a Jeremy Grant, Paul
1: Millsap yeah. playing together with those yeah. other players. That was insane. So I think, I mean, he really, if I were him, I'd really look at these other, depending on who's you know, giving me offers, am I really going to get a better deal than I have here in Denver, where even if I'm coming off the bench, I'm going to be guaranteed a rotation position and good minutes and... And compete. I mean, and compete. And yes, he's probably going to have to take less money. But if you look at where he is in his career, it's not like he's just starting off. Like, he's been in the league for a really long time. Yeah. He's not going to get $30 million again. But, I mean, I think, for, especially for a guy like him, is, it, is, it, is the money more important? Or is it, I still want to go out there, have a role, compete, take a little bit less money, but actually have a chance of making it deep in the playoffs you know, seeing what this team can do. And I think, I mean, I think that he should think like that, but I mean, you never
0: know. Well, to look between the lines, in my opinion, you can look at it this way. Like Paul Millsap is deserving of more than a mid-level exception. Like he's a better player than that. The Nuggets picked up that $30 million option when they did not need to. They could have held on to that money and tried to find other alternatives to be able to add to their team and try and get him to take a lesser sum. They gave him that money. They know how important he is, and I think that is going to be an extremely important aspect to their contract discussions going forward. I think that there is a very real circumstance that Paul Millsap realized that he likes Denver. He owns a home in Denver. His Mm -hmm. kids are in school in Denver. And because of that, also, he's from Denver, which doesn't get talked about enough, but Because of that, I would not be surprised if he takes that mid-level exception and stays with the Nuggets. The other interesting part of this that also applies to the other free agency question coming up, we have no idea what the cap and the luxury tax is going to look like. We have no idea. So in terms of how much money is Denver going to have, I have no fucking clue. Nobody has any idea. That is a completely unsolvable question right now. The smartest cap minds in the world cannot answer that question. We don't know what the basketball-related income will be. So that uncertainty means that players will want to stay where they are and take the guaranteed money. That's
1: a really good point. I didn't even I could, didn't even think about that. That is a great point.
0: It's gonna be interesting though, because let's just get into this next question, which I thought was really, really good. Uh Brian Haggerty on Twitter asked, big shakeups or minor tweaks this offseason? Prior to this, yeah, man. Prior, <laughs> I would have said major shakeups. I
1: would have too. And it, it's it has just completely changed the yes. landscape. Look, the nuggets, they need they need to they they need to shake something up. They've it's had kind this, of stale, I think, and not had, in
0: terms of their chemistry, just right. in terms of like you need new dynamics sometimes. They've
1: had this group for five what, years. Five years now, and yes, they have made a progression. Right, uh, the, the year two years ago, they just missed the playoffs by like a game. Okay, last year they made it to the playoffs and made it to the semifinal, the Western Conference semis. Yeah, um, then this year. I mean, you know, at the beginning of the year, obviously, there was talk about, oh, they're title contenders. At least, maybe even not title contenders, Weston's Conference
0: But they're, they're final, knocking on the door. And like, they have knocking the door. Opportunities.
1: But, and then the thing is, though, is that you look at when this season stopped, they were exactly where they were last season. And that's not to say that in the playoffs, they wouldn't have been able to get to the Western Conference yeah. Finals. That's not to say that because the playoffs are a completely different beasts. But in terms of just like actual playing progression, there really wasn't much. And so it is, I mean, it is time for, okay, if we actually want to take this next step, something does need to happen and something needs to yeah. change.
0: And it's so interesting because every single player in this locker room likes each other. This is not people are getting abrasive to each other. This is not Nikola Jokic and Gary Harris are, are no longer on the same page or Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. are frustrated. At some point, you just need something new. I think that's really what it comes down to. Like everyone wants to compare it to the Clippers. Like whenever, whenever I've had this conversation with other writers, they're like, "Yeah, the Clippers got stale. They had all the talent. They could have kept it going, but at some point, you need to make a change." This is not that. Mm -hmm. This is not Chris Paul pissing off Blake Griffin so much that they're not able to be in the same room together. But at what point is doing the exact same thing repeatable? You know, over and over again become Insanity. Mm -hmm. And Tim Connolly. he may not make gigantic trades every year. It would be absolutely wrong to call him anything less than aggressive when it comes to roster construction. Um, It's going to be so interesting, though, because, again, going back to we have no idea how this shakes out going forward – I don't know how you can make drastic changes to a team that is already this good without mm-hmm. knowing what the future holds.
1: Exactly.
0: Like, Torrey Craig, unrestricted free agent. Monte Morris, unguaranteed going into next year. Mason Plumley unrestricted. Paul Millsap, unrestricted. Jeremy Grant, player option. Mm-hmm. Why would you let them walk if you don't know what you can get back because you don't even know what the cap holds or how much money you can use or any of it? Yeah. And they have bird rights for all of them, so they can just sign them over the cap anyway. Yeah. So it's going to be so interesting to see how all of that plays out. And that's really the biggest question for the NBA going forward is what the hell is that number even going to look like? So are you – so you you think minor tweaks now? Are I, I'm you thinking
1: more minor tweaks. I just think uh, – I'm just interested to see how this entire – even outside of the Nuggets, just this yeah. entire NBA offseason goes because, yeah, it's going to be – I mean obvi- like the NFL obviously just had their free agency. But they're in such a different boat because that was already – in play, they're not losing any revenue. Those are
0: unguaranteed contracts, too. Like, if you just want to cut somebody, you're not on the hook anymore. Right, but
1: they're not losing any money from from not having games and and all that stuff, and so I think it's going to be really crazy to see. Yeah, so I guess I'm leaning more towards minor tweaks this offseason now, and then maybe... I guess the 2021
0: offseason is just But will they be, be able to? If they have to give contracts to everybody, is it suddenly oh a three and four-year deal? Like, the impact that Could you that imagine this the trade deadline have. next year? <laughs> well, you want, okay, so I've actually thought about this. My real take when it comes to the trade deadline next year is that nobody's going to want any of the fucking bad contracts you're trying to hawk off to people. Yeah. And nothing's going to happen because everyone's going to be like, so we need weird. a roster. You like think we have right. to have enough guys? So I, I have weird. no idea. This is so <laughs> bizarre, and I wish I could quantify any of it. Uh, let's move on, though. Zero System on Twitter asked, why doesn't M- MPJ get more minutes? Flora's yours, oh, Kendra.
1: why me? I mean, this is because like it's, this Because is another... this
0: is iPod, and I get to just drop it all on you so. and sit back and drink coffee. So.
1: <laughs> this is another like really big question that everyone was... I mean, we talk, I talked before about how like MPJ is... He's like the golden boy of the Nuggets, or at least like the for the Nuggets fans. Like he is the best thing since sliced bread, or like, like everyone just That's loves the chair. Yeah. Okay, but you know what I mean. Okay.
0: Yes, I do. I, do, like, I do. I'm the anyway, asshole. Fine. people
1: just want to see him play. I think, yes. and 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 when it really boils down to it, the answer is like I don't fully know because all I can really do is like speculate. I think hard I don't think I don't what I don't think is that Michael Malone is just like hey, I'm gonna not play Michael Porter and thank everyone's you for gonna get that. up in arms about it and everyone's gonna be mad like I don't Michael like Michael Malone does not care he is yeah. going to do what he thinks is best for his team in some cases like if he thinks that he needs a bigger defensive presence to him that is playing Tory Craig if he need, wants just more shooting or scoring, I should say, okay, maybe that's going to be Michael Porter. Um, so the, like, a really, really boils down to is I don't completely know, but I think that, like, he, like, Michael Malone is just going to play him as he sees fit, and he's not going to try and play him more or less because he, Michael Porter has so many expectations attached to it, and is a rookie, and he's going to learn and when you look at other you know, top-tier rookies, they're in teams that aren't good. So it is up to them to play a ton and, and really be that team and like, yeah. take them to that next level. And the Nuggets are not in that situation. Michael Porter is not in that situation. He is on a team that has serious playoff potential um, yeah. and, pl- and the potential to get deep in the playoffs – So it's not necessary for Michael Malone to play the rookie. Um, Should I think that, like, do I think that he should maybe get more consistent minutes? I mean, I think that would definitely help with his development. And I think that there is a little bit of a disservice by not playing him more because we've seen what he can do when he gets into that rhythm. Um, But at the same time, I'm not concerned that they don't value him or that it's, it's some sort of vindictive way to make people frustrated or anything like that.
0: So not to completely tangent here, but while we're here, we have nuggets breaking news. Oh no. The bulls are planning to seek permission to interview Chad Buchanan of Indiana, Denver's Arturis Karnasovis, Toronto's Bobby Webster and Miami's Adam silent for their lead basketball operations role. Wow. So I know that you just got here, so it's harder for I don't. I'm not expecting you to like know exactly what our tourist has done every time you've ever been here. <laughs> but what is your first thought when you see that? I think it's important to talk about this. This is really, really meaningful. I think. Whoa! I dropped a pen. Opa! Um,
1: <laughs> what was the question again? Just what, what do I kind think? kind of impact
0: would our tourists leaving Denver have from your perspective?
1: I mean, it, it's it is harder for me to fully have like a full grasp on this because I've only been. In Denver for about ten months, um, but I mean, I think I think it would have some sort of an impact. I think that when Tim Conley was interviewing for the Wizards with the Wizards last year, I don't know, maybe just from I, from my outsider looking in perspective, and maybe just because I talk to Tim more and have more interactions with him, I feel like oh, maybe that would have made a bigger imprint on the nuggets if he had left than if our tourist leaves but i mean
0: this is a big deal (laughs)
1: but losing your gm who has helped build this team like that is a big deal that's not something to just be like ah whatever at
0: Yeah, Uh, people don't realize So a big part of what makes the Nuggets Front office and their overall organizational So functional is that They have what Tim Connolly calls alignment Mm -hmm. They have Josh Kroenke Who works perfectly well with Tim Connolly Who works perfectly well with Arturis Who works perfectly well with Calvin Booth The assistant GM, who then works extremely well With the entire coaching staff The alignment that they have, the understanding of everybody's role Is integral to what they have been able to build In Denver. Mm -hmm. Arturis is Tim Connolly's organizational part of his mind that tim does not have the way that i've had this described to me is that if you walk in arturis's office there is a board of every single potential player for every single team and color coordinated based on their um, (laughs) unrestricted or restricted free agency status all perfectly organized. You go, to Tim's, you go into Tim's office, it looks like he erased like, <laughs> manically in the corner to like scribble something you can't read. Like, he's described to me as the beautiful mind type. Like, he mm-hmm. literally just like has an idea and has to start scribbling it out while Arturus is the organizational, you know, level that, that Tim does not have. Nice. I wonder how important they are to each other. Mm-hmm. I wonder how this all fits like a puzzle. I hate mm-hmm. puzzles, but this works well here. I, I wonder... I wonder if there's a lot to that. Mm-hmm. That the way that they all fit together is that the weaknesses one has is a strength of another. And if you remove an aspect of that link, does that make the rest of it struggle? I don't know, but mm-hmm. that's the kind of the first thought that pops into my head. Also, Nikola Jokic would not be in Denver if it wasn't for Arturis. Do you know this story?
1: I do. You told me the story.
0: Yes. I love this story. And I don't. For people who don't know, Arturis was the only person who went down to Mega Lex before it was Mega Visura, before it was Mega Baymax. <laughs> To go see Nikola Jokic play. Nikola Jokic was going to sign with, I believe it was Barcelona? Someone Mm or Real Madrid, one of the teams over in Spain. Somehow has convinced Nikola Jokic after his worst game ever as a professional to enter the draft anyway. And promised him when they gave him that offer. They ended up signing him. And here we are. So... Without our tourists, the Nuggets are not the Nuggets. That's a very important distinction to make. But uh, we'll have to just wait and see what happens with our tourists. Uh, let's move back on though and get back into the questions. Uh, Tyler Egabrecht, I'm sorry if I said your name just so badly, but <laughs> how do you feel about a Nuggets Rockets playoff series? I podcasted with Salam Ali for like an hour on this, so I'm gonna leave this to you.
1: It, it makes it makes me a little shaky. I'm not gonna lie. Like really? I don't know. Like I think I think that the. It's one of those things, to me, it could go one way or another. Really. Like, in my opinion, I think that, like, especially how the the Rockets had been playing that crazy small ball and stuff like that. Like, well, first off, Nicole Jokic could be – he could just, like, freaking dominate in this series because if they keep playing that small ball, they have no one to stop him. Like, they literally just, like – I don't know. You made a yeah, face. Like P.J. Tucker
0: face? ain't doing shit. Like right. Our... Okay.
1: Mm. So, like, they like him. Like that is Nicole's series to shine. But then, when it comes to the guards and just like that firepower that the Rockets have, do the Nuggets really have an answer for that?
0: It's so interesting because this is specifically a math game. This yeah. is literally a math I don't
1: deal. do math. They're like, going <laughs> to let
0: Nikola Jokic take every post-up shot he wants over and over and over again. I bet you this was something that Salam Ali ended up telling me about that was a great idea. I bet you they defend Nikola Jokic with James Harden. It and they is. just let him go to town and they're just like you know what man take all the twos you want
1: yeah
0: have them all we're yeah. going to play the math game and we're going to beat you that and way and
1: that's why i say like it it would be such a weird matchup i think because this like they're just such different teams right it's now fascinating it's very fascinating it. like it would be it would be an entertaining matchup 100% but i wouldn't Like, I wouldn't go into – there's other matchups who I think I would say, oh, the Nuggets, yeah, they could come out of that series. And it's not that they couldn't come out of that series. Like, they totally could, but I'd need to see it to, like –
0: And we haven't seen it. That's the other part. The Rockets were way banged up. Didn't get to see it. And they weren't
1: playing that small ball the times that they – because their series – they played four times this season. They weren't done playing each other by January.
0: I know. And it was – what was it, 2-2? I don't even think it was like – and was, there was yeah. injuries for all of totally. them. Like we have nothing of context there. I find that ga- that matchup so fascinating because it's we know what we're going to get from James Harden, Nikola Jokic. That mm-hmm. doesn't matter. It's everyone How does else. Gary? Can Gary Harris hit threes? Can Jamal Murray not turn the ball over? Is Eric Gordon going to stop being a disaster? Like can P.J. Tucker hit that corner three? Yep. Those are the most interesting parts, and I cannot wait. I think the Nuggets are better equipped now than they used to be mm-hmm. to be able to match up with the Rockets. Would that's you agree fair. with that?
1: I, I think that's fair. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I had a Nuggets. Someone in the Nuggets organization told me when the trade had happened, the four-way trade that sent mm-hmm. Malik Beasley and Vando and Wancho. Um, the big reason that they got involved in that deal was, of course, to help out Wancho and Malik. They wanted them to be in places they could thrive. They wanted so badly Clint Capella to be out of the West. Yep. They did not want to have to deal with that matchup because him as a lob threat makes it impossible for the Nuggets to match up defensively. So that was a big deal. So the Nuggets are going all in on that. Yep. And if the season was to freeze right now, the Nuggets will be playing the Rockets in the first round. Yep. So, all right, let's move on because we're getting long here. Long as shit, actually. Uh, Dante <laughs> asks, how long before you think Michael Porter Jr. is starting?
1: Uh, a little bit more time. <laughs> I don't think he's going to start next
0: year. <laughs> yeah, the exact, you just came in with a date right there.
1: <laughs> not next, I don't, he, not next season. So I don't
0: he starts next season as the starter. I don't. OK.
1: I mean, I think maybe it could change next season depending on what happens. But I definitely, I don't think that they're going to. I mean, of course, also it depends. We were just talking about free agency. It depends on what happens with free agency and, and Torrey Craig and all those other guys. But as it stands, if they make minor moves, like we just said that we think they're going to make minor moves, I don't see him starting the season as a starter. Um, I think that it's a huge disadvantage for especially him to not get the playoffs to to show more of what he has. Because I think... What is can... to
0: get more acclimated? Just to know what the hell it's like. Totally.
1: And so I think based on how much he was playing before the suspension and just what was going on with the team and stuff. Like if the, if the season does not get resumed or even if the season does get resumed, like I just could not see him starting the season, whenever the season starts to be in that starting lineup. And again, like it doesn't mean that that couldn't change throughout the season. Like maybe he just absolutely kills it the first month or so of next season. And then they make that change. But as it stands now, I I couldn't see him in the starting lineup at the start of next season.
0: The Nuggets believe in Will Barton. And regardless of how fans feel about that, I'm talking from top to bottom, from coaching staff to front office to ownership. They believe in Will Barton. And this is his job to lose. The only way that I see Michael Porter Jr. starting day one is if the cap numbers come in so much lower than they expect and they start trying to move salary to avoid the tax. Yeah, I w- I don't know if it'll happen. This is all speculating, but Will Barton is a fourteen million dollars salary that's expiring next year. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to move salary to save money, Will Barton's head falls on the chopping block by accident, and then you start talking about Michael Porter Jr. potentially having the opportunity to start. Right. That's the only way that I see some of this working. Or if he averages like thirty six in the preseason, that's like, insane. Like
1: is that, it insane? Yeah. But like it's pretty damn
0: insane. Yeah. But
1: <laughs> something needs to happen for something him to. Mm-hmm to start
0: okay last question Nash OCN on Twitter asked what should the Nuggets do with Gary Harris next season
1: oh, I
0: love this is, I just wrote about this too like,
1: then you start this time
0: <laughs> fine all right fine I've been throwing you <laughs> under the bus the entire podcast so right. this is Gary Harris's job to lose it the is. only way that Gary Harris is not starting at, at shooting guard next year is if one he's injured two they trade for Bradley Beal or three they trade for Drew Holiday. Anybody else is not good enough to take that spot from Gary Harris. Michael Malone said on March 1st that they are sticking with Gary Harris full stop. It does not matter, and he only got better from that point forward. This is Gary Harris's job to lose no matter what, in my eyes.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I, I agree with that at, at some uh, to a certain point. I think when we're talking about, like, major shakeups um, and – major, you know, like this team has to do something. I don't think, I think that Gary Harris's name is in that major shakeup conversation. For like sure. The Nuggets want to do something like, he is a guy that you have to consider for the shakeups. Because you look at the other guys, Nicole Jokic is untouchable. Obviously, yeah. Jamal Murray is untouchable because of that monster contract he just Yeah, signed.
0: I don't know if the Nuggets necessarily have him as untouchable or if they just can't move him. I think
1: they just can't. <laughs>
0: Okay, yeah, I, but one I, way or
1: another. I think, I mean,
0: Michael if, Porter. If Michael Jr. Porter Jr., he
1: has been set, sa- like they've said that Michael Porter is untouchable. And then, and then you have the little pieces, right? Everyone else, like mad respect I, to uh, all the other guys, but they're right? all little pieces. Yeah. Gary Harris is the other drastic piece that they could move. And so when you talk about that, like he has to be in the conversation. But I agree with you in the sense that like, I, I don't think that what he was doing before this hiatus was caused to just lose hope on him and yeah. freak out and be like, oh, like, yeah get rid of him. So I don't think that they're just going to, like, throw him out because, like, no, nah, he wasn't playing well. Let's move on. But if they want to look for a big shakeup, then it's a name that I would imagine is being f- floated around.
0: And to be clear, I know for a fact that there are other teams who value Gary Harris and had approached the Nuggets about trading for him. So this isn't like Gary Harris is not valued. That is not true in any capacity. Like, we just saw the Lakers go crazy to try and get Avery Bradley to help their team. Like, Gary Harris has value. This idea that he doesn't is a complete farce to me. But I do think Gary Harris is back, by the way. Do you think Gary Harris showed the right things that he is— getting closer to the player he was i think so and
1: i'm just so curious though again like we keep talking about how this hiatus has just changed so much stuff i am so interested to see what players look like when they get yes. back and so while gary harris like i think i agree with you that before this he was definitely on the rise and then
0: it, it just stopped. stopped and i'm
1: like okay like, what, what happened like, like where what are they doing? Like they can't, they can't have team practices. They can't, like of course, no public working, gyms. No, no public gyms. Like you know, of course they're working out, but how much can they? Like do? how much like, resistance band work ha-
0: can you do? Unless
1: you have a basketball court in your home, you're pretty limited.
0: I'm so happy you brought this up. I was listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast with Adam Mates and Matt and Matt Moore, and they brought up the idea of like. What is Nikola Jokic doing?
1: Oh, I've yeah. had this conversation so many times that it's I just don't fascinating. know.
0: fascinating. <laughs> because, like, I know for a fact that Nikola Jokic owns, or is, lives in an apartment, mm-hmm. so he doesn't have his own workout facility. He doesn't have his own court. Yeah. So, but- like... If Nikola Jokic, max contract, Nikola Jokic doesn't have a court like that, what is the rest of the league going to look like? How much time is there going to be of a training camp before and, the league resumes? And, and
1: that's and- why the, that, the question of resuming is just so in- – okay, because then if you do resume, do you go straight to the playoffs? Do we do a buffer of just like, okay, let's do a week of games and then just to get the guys' like legs back under them? Yeah. And then I, I was talking about this, uh, this with my uh, coworker, Nick Cosmiter. Um, Who works at the athletic with me? Of like, I know maybe you were there too. I can't remember all the conversations I I I had. One together. If you (laughs) win this season, is like if it does resume and there's a playoffs and you win, I feel like there's gonna be an asterisk next to your win if you're anyone but the Lakers or Bucks. If the Lakers or the Clippers, Clippers. if the Lakers, Clippers, Bucks win the finals, it's like okay, yes, like that makes sense. That was probable even before this happened. If the Nuggets or this Houston is the most Nug Life
0: Championship,
1: like if they win, there's gonna be a little asterisk next nope. to it, being like,
0: okay, yeah, but they won,
1: <laughs> but like it's no fans right months. now
0: are like cringing and losing it because they have been waiting for this opportunity and the one title that they might get is going to have the biggest asterisk next to what you can imagine. Yeah, but they only won in the pandemic season. Right. I'm just waiting to hear this. I saw That's funny... the Rockets win. Yeah, exactly. Jay Harden finally gets that title and it's this year.
1: <laughs> there is a, um, I saw a funny meme because I'm just living by memes right now because it's like the, the pure... <laughs> source of joy in my life right now but like there was one that was a dad talking to his son he's like and, and and um and then the the raptors were champions for two years in a row and the kid goes oh so they won back-to-back championships and the dad just goes no they were just champions for two <laughs> years in a row <laughs> like
0: <laughs> so, so let me, okay last, last last thing before we get out of here okay. do you think the nba can avoid an asterisk season at this point Can they get enough games, enough of a playoff, enough of a runway to keep next season and also make this season feel validated? Uh,
1: If the Lakers, Clippers, or Bucks win.
0: (laughs) Oh my god, Major Report loves you right now.
1: (laughs) I just think, it's just... I think if they come back at all, that is a win. And I don't think, and I think for the next bit of time, people won't care. And then in like three to four years, people are going to be like, again, like if the Rockets are next, it's like, well, they only won because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But like, I think if basketball came back, no one would care. Everyone would just be like, give me basketball. I don't care (laughs) who wins this thing. Just give me something to
0: watch. Um that's me with this 2K tournament that's about to come. Right? On,
1: so I fully it's like let me watch basketball something. And and so like
0: I I don't know. I
1: think I think it's a really it'd be really really sad if they didn't come back in any way. Like that would just be really sad. Oh sad i
0: don't oh, know i don't know we're, i, I guess we're really to this on a really yeah. <laughs> so let's end let's on a good note what's the best food you've eaten since you've been stuck inside since that's the one thing of happiness that i've been able to have recently i
1: spent like 45 bucks on sushi the other day <laughs> see
0: that's what i'm talking about right there
1: say, <laughs> and you know I'm, what i was like i'm supporting my local business
0: that's what i'm so. talking about right there that's what i'm talking about yeah. i had some tomato soup from scratch no. and a grilled cheese where i made the bread from scratch oh yeah, oh, that sounds
1: really good. I'm
0: probably going to go have some more of it actually after this podcast. Right, but that seriously, good. Kenny, thank you so much for sitting here for like an hour with me and just reminiscing on whatever happened prior to this insanity that we're currently <laughs> But it has been a ton of fun. Please, everybody, stay at home. Keep practicing social distancing. We're not trying to have any of that crap right now. So keep it moving. We'll be here to talk about more Nugget stuff. But from me, I am TJ McBride. From Kendra, that is Kendra Andrews of The Athletic. It has been a lot of fun, and we'll talk to you guys later.